Thank you. Great. All right. Matthew chapter 4. And it is an honor and a privilege to be with all of you folk. I've heard so much about the church here from Brother Vincent, as well as from your pastor and, well, even Brother Daniel Pearson, if y'all are willing to claim it. And so it's all been good, and it's exciting to see what the Lord is doing here and what he's done, and we trust what he's going to do. And I did, uh, I did have the distinct honor to be your pastor for a few days as well. I thought it was interesting, the sister sitting back here, she said, you look like my pastor, only a few inches taller. And so uh, that's ironic because one lady did come up to me at the Bryan Station meeting, and she said, Brother Holt, and my back was to her, so I just turned. I was a little confused, and I said, ma'am, and she said, you're a lot taller in person than you are on the live stream. I said, well, there's a reason for that. So I pointed her in the right direction after I took the love offering that she was going to give him. No, I'm teasing. I, I didn't do that. Uh, brother, I don't know what they gave you, but uh, I think I heard somebody say sharing is caring. And I'm pretty sure it was Daniel Pearson. All right, let's read the Word of God. We'll get into the message. Matthew chapter number 4 and verse number 17. From that time Jesus began to preach. He began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John his brother in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. I want to preach on the thought this evening, fishers of men. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for all that our hearts have been uh, privileged to experience in the service already, all that our ears have heard. And Lord, we thank you for the songs that have been sung tonight. We thank you, Lord, for this congregation, this faithful crowd of people that meet right here week in and week out. And we ask you, Lord, that you just give us a special blessing, Lord, from the Word of God tonight. Speak to our hearts. And Lord, we pray for the touch of the Spirit of God upon the preaching of the Word of God tonight. We know that without you, we can do nothing. And so we just pray, God, you'd help us to preach tonight, not to make a name for ourselves, but Lord, that your people would be edified and encouraged and that your name be exalted and Lord, if there be one amongst us tonight lost, we pray that this might be the hour that, Lord God, the Spirit of the Lord would quicken their heart and bring faith and repentance to them, Lord, that they would be saved by your grace. And we'll thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Basically, we'll take our text, our title for our text, and much of our text from verse 19. This is a pivotal verse in this section of Scripture. And he saith unto them, Follow me, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Uh, when you come to this portion of the book of Matthew, of course, we find here that the Lord Jesus is beginning his earthly ministry. And as he does so, he is going about calling men that are going to follow and serve him throughout the rest of their days. He is putting together his disciples, what would later become known as the apostles, men that are going to carry the word of God all around that known area and to the world beyond. Uh, the Lord is here calling, uh, I think it's interesting, men that are busy in life. He's calling working men. 
And uh, they weren't lazy men. They weren't at home sitting around just twiddling their thumbs or, or uh, wasting their time. They were wrapped up in their careers, wrapped up in their jobs, uh, wrapped up in fishing, wrapped up in providing for their family, having their wives, uh, raising their children, and carrying on in the menial tasks of life just like every one of you tonight are doing right now. Some of you still have children in the home. Some of you uh, are hoping to have children one day. Uh, some of you have got grandchildren coming along and you've got jobs. Some of you near in retirement. Some of you uh, a long ways off. And so don't even think about it. It's a long ways to go. But you're going throughout life, the menial tasks of life. And that's the way these men were. They weren't lazy men. They were diligent men. They were men that got up every morning and did what they were supposed to do. They were... Men that were consumed with uh, serving and working and living, existing and taking care of their families. And I think it's interesting that we find the Lord Jesus is calling out men from a normal life to a spiritual work. From just a normal menial task of everyday living to be servants of Christ. He's calling them to a life of service. And I think it's just worth noting that the Lord does not uh, call lazy men into the ministry, and that's not necessarily the emphasis of the message tonight. But at the same time, I don't believe this is a passage just dealing with men being called into the ministry. I believe we can apply this to every one of us. And all whom the Lord saves, He calls to a life of service. Amen. And we find He calls us all to be fishers of men. The Lord would have us to be a part of the Great Commission, carrying out the work that the Lord would have us to do. Now we understand as we come to this text, based on some other verses in the Word of God, that these disciples, we believe, were already saved men. They had already submitted to John's baptism. Uh, they never got rebaptized. A lot of men will preach this text as it is a call to salvation. I don't believe that is the context. I believe these were already saved men. They were already baptized men. They were walking in the light they had when they saw the Lord Jesus. And He approached them and said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They dropped what they were doing and they followed Christ and they began a life of service for the Lord. And so as we look at that, I want to look at number one tonight, a call. There is a call. Let me say there is a call upon every one of our lives. Now that begins with a call to salvation. And though this text does not bear that out in the immediate context, let me say there is no call to service without first there being a call to salvation. Aren't you thankful for the day that the Lord called you out of darkness into the light of His marvelous and His glorious gospel? And we find here that these men were saved and, and uh, they had experienced that call. They had experienced that conversion power. They had heard the gospel and it had impacted their lives. Let me say there is that general call that goes forth. Thank God for the general call of the gospel that goes forth even from here. It goes forth from the church where I pastor. It goes forth around the world. It goes forth by the mouths and through the testimony and through the witness of God's people as we share the gospel and we preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. We're not discriminate. We don't discriminate against anybody. Uh, no matter what their ethnicity is, no matter what their financial standing is, no matter what their name is, no matter where they live, no matter anything about them, we preach the gospel to everyone. And thank God for the general call. I heard it. I was raised in church all my life, just like many of these children here. 
I, re- I was raised hearing the gospel, and from the time that I was old enough to sit up and listen, I heard it time and time and time again. And, uh, but thank God for the day that that general call became the effectual call. And God spoke to my heart and He called me out. It, it was not just that Jesus died for sinners, but it became very real to me in that day and in that hour that Jesus died for me. He called my name. He brought me out. And I thank God for that. I, I, well, I thank anybody that's ever been saved. We can all uh, we can understand what the psalmist said when he said, "The Lord brought me up out of an horrible pit and established my feet and and set me upon a firm foundation." He put a song in my heart, even praise unto God. Many shall see it and shall fear. Thank God for the song that He has given each and every one of His children through that effectual call. Well, these men had experienced that prior to our text. But in our text, we see that there is also a call to serve. There was a call to serve. You might even say it was a call to sanctification. The idea, of course, that word just means to be set apart, to be marked off. God... Whenever He saves His children, He sanctifies us. He sets us apart. He marks off the boundaries and He says, I have a work for you to do. It is a call to service. And uh, may God help us to never forget that, that the Lord has called us to serve Him. He's called us to live that Christian life that is a witness and a testimony of God's saving grace. And then there is also a call to surrender. They surrendered. I notice in the text the Bible says uh, of Peter and Andrew, and they straightway left their nets. And then when you go on down and read of James and John, it says, and immediately they followed Him. And we see here the idea of that surrendered life. They understood that there was a service that they were going to perform, a task that they were being called to do, and they surrendered to it. Let me say, it's not enough just to understand that God is calling you and I to serve Him, but we must understand that it calls for immediate surrender. It calls for immediate compliance, immediate obedience. It's not enough for me to say, well, I know the Lord wants me to do something, and I know God wants me to serve in some capacity, and I know God wants me to do something for Him, but just say, but I'm not sure what it is yet, or I'll do it tomorrow, or at a more convenient season, I'll begin to serve the Lord. But beloved, whenever there is a call to serve, there is a call to surrender. And we find that that's exactly what these men did. They surrendered to become partakers in the ministry and in the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think about the old hymn writer who wrote the words, There is a call comes ringing, or the restless waves send the light. And that's what the Lord was calling these men to do, to be bearers of the light, to take the gospel around the world. So we not only see a call in our text, but we see a commitment in our text. You see it in verse number 19 here. He says, follow me. Very simple phrase, two-word phrase here. But here they were making a commitment to follow after Christ. They were committed to the cause. He says, follow me. And when the Lord calls anybody unto salvation, which is a call simultaneously in our day and age, unto service, to serve God, to get in the local church, to grow, to understand, to learn, 
to be brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and then start serving in the capacities that God has given you in the local assembly and out from the local assembly. It is a call, it is a commitment to follow Jesus. Not Dr. Sounding Brass and Tinkling Cymbal, not the philosophies of this world, not even the denominational creeds. I thank God I'm Baptist. As one man said, if I wasn't Baptist, I'd be ashamed. But listen, before we're Baptists, we're Christians. Before we're Baptists, we bear the name of our Lord and Savior. And we are to be Christ-like. We are to be Christians. That's what they were called first at Antioch. They were little Christ running around everywhere preaching, adhering to His doctrine. And they were living out in their lives Christ-likeness. Well, what kind of life did Christ live? Oh, He lived a life committed to doing the will of the Father, did He not? And uh, he was a preacher, wasn't he? He was the prince of preachers. They say Spurgeon was the prince of preachers. Well, he may have been the prince, but Jesus is the king of preachers. He's the greatest preacher that ever lived. And the Bible tells us in Mark chapter 1 that he came into this world to preach. He was a preacher before he was ever anything else in in the realm of ministry. He healed. He performed miracles. He did a lot of great things that proved his deity, his divinity. But he was a preacher. And he says, follow me. What does that mean? That means God would have all of us to be, I might put it this way, little pea preachers. I understand there is a call of God upon a man's life when he surrenders to preach. But listen to me. In the sense of sharing the gospel, being a witness, being a testimony of God's grace, God calls every one of us to do that. Man, woman, boy, girl, God wants you to use your testimony and share that with a lost and dying world, pointing them to Christ, the Christ who is able to save them. We are to be committed. And a commitment is a relinquishing of our rights. We relinquish our rights. Lord, I I belong to you. Whatever you want for me is what I want to do. It's what I, I want to be, what you'd have me to be. He says, follow me. Jesus told us in another place that we're to take up our cross and follow him. You know where that leads? It led out of the city. It led to Golgotha's Hill. It led to a cross. It led all the way to death and to the grave. But thank God it also led into victory as He rose again for our justification and ascended into heaven and is there now at the right hand of the throne of God making intercession for us. Beloved, the way of Christ is a way of suffering. It is a way of pain. It is a way of persecution. But it is a way of victory by the grace of God. We are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us and gave Himself for us. What a cause to be committed to. What a cause to give our lives in the service of. I thought about Romans 6 and you know, I think about as we are committed to Christ, we are to bear His cross. We are to be different. And there is an aspect of that practical sanctification in the life of every believer where we're not what we used to be. And Romans 6 and 7 deals very strongly with that about the flesh and the spirit and the old man and the new man and the struggle that's there and, and uh, how we are to submit ourselves to the spirit and, and, uh, and, and, to, and to walk uh, in the spirit that we not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And that's in the book of Galatians. But Romans 6 tells us that we have died with Christ. We've been buried with Christ. It was a good day in my life as I studied Romans chapter 6 to learn that I'm a has-been. 
I've done been buried with Christ. I've done been resurrected to walk in the newness of life. Let not sin reign in your mortal body, but God would have us to be overcomers and not only from our lips testify of God's grace and His power, but in our lives demonstrate that and back up the witness that we have. We see here a call to these men and there was a commitment. But then thirdly and lastly, don't get your hopes up. Um, the last point's the longest one. There is a class that is in session here. He calls them into the classroom of evangelism. Wouldn't that have been a classroom to sit in? You want to talk about a seminary class, a Bible college class, to have Jesus as your teacher in evangelistic ministry. Notice he says in verse number 19, I will make you. In other words, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to put you through my class on evangelism and whenever you're finished, you'll be ready for what I've called you to do. And throughout His ministry on this earth, that's exactly what the Lord Jesus was doing. He was putting His disciples, what would later be the apostles, through the school of evangelism. And God would use those men in a powerful way to impact the known world at that time. What an amazing thing we see as they enter into this classroom of evangelism. Now I want you to notice first of all with me that as we go into the classroom, He says what? I'm going to make you fishers of men. This is a fishing class. Anybody like to fish? We got any fishermen around? I haven't seen some ladies' hands. I thought I was in the south. What's, what is going on here? Yeah, fishermen. Well, if you think about fishing... Fishing requires preparation, doesn't it? Requires preparation. If you're going to go fishing, you better prepare the night before. You might want to prepare a few days in advance. You might want to go out in the barn and find the old lures and the old, the old topwater jigs and all the, all the things you're going to... Depending on what you're fishing for, there's got to be some preparation involved. Maybe going and finding Grandpa's old pole that... Man, all the fishing stories you ever heard growing up surrounded... It all was surrounded around that one pole. Go and get all of that. we got preparation. Maybe you need to hook up the boat to the truck. Go down to the gas station and fill her up and get ready to go out. There's preparation involved. Where are you going to go fishing at? When are you going to go fishing? A lot of preparation involved that's required in learning how to fish. I thought about, first of all, in our preparation, there's finding the right tackle. Oh man, there's all kinds of baits you can use. Live bait. You can use, uh, uh, you can use uh, all kinds of, of different lures that they sell. They got again topwater bait. They've got uh, they've got uh, rooster tails. They got spinners. Uh, uh, they got uh, I mean you name it. They've got they got the flies for those that like to fly fish. Whatever kind of bait that you need, that's what you go out and you get. Maybe I know where I came from. We would fish for trout. A lot of times we just go get us a can of corn and uh, put a little corn on the hook. Man, you you you'd have a time catching them fish. Getting the right tackle. And then also the right time. The right time. You, you got to prepare by setting a time when you're going to go fishing. You don't go fishing on accident. You don't just happen upon a, a fishing hole with a fishing pole in your hand without making some preparation and setting aside some time. 
And you're going to pick a day or you're going to pick an hour and you're going to locate where you're wanting to go and maybe you're going with friends. You're going to call and you're going to say, hey, we're going down to the, to the levee today. You want to meet us down there? We're going to go fishing. You're setting the time. Not only the tackle and the time, but there's a target, isn't there? You're, you're fishing for something, ain't you? Don't you have a target in mind? Aren't you trying to catch something? Now, you got this, uh, this catch and release fishing. I'm not for it. I'm a catch and keep fisherman. If I catch it, I'm going to eat it. I want to keep it. Unless it's too small to eat, and then we'll use it for bait and try to catch something bigger. Well, forget this catch and release business. But we got a target, don't we? And depending on your target depends on the method that you're going to use, right? You got all kinds of different methods of fishing. Again, fly fishing. You got top water fishing. You got deep water fishing. You got fishing in rivers, fishing in ponds, going out in the deep sea and fishing. Some people use nets to fish. Some people go trot lining. They use limbs. They'll jug. Y'all know what jugging is, don't you? Uh, how about noodling? That's another method of fishing. I'm, I'm not brave enough to do it, but if you are, well, more power to you. I'd love to see a picture if you ever get you a big one. All kinds of different fishing. What are you saying? I'm saying fishing requires preparation. Well, understand this. When the Lord Jesus invited His disciples into the school of evangelism and set them down and took them to class, He is letting them know that there is preparation that must be involved if we are going to be fishers of men. Now, there's all kind of bait, isn't there? Amen. There's social media, radio, television. There's gospel tracts, pamphlets booklets, John and Romans. There's door knocking, evangelistic tent meetings. I mean, we can just go on and on. There's all kinds of bait down there. And if you are a noodler, you can always take the gospel and shove it down somebody's throat. I mean, there's all kinds of things you can do. Now, I say that tongue-in-cheek. I did hear a story about a couple older preachers from North Carolina where I'm from, West North Carolina, where I was born and raised. They were having a tent meeting. And uh, they were uh, going as several weeks long, and there's this old town drunk. He was walking by. Every night he'd walk by the tent, and they'd go out, and they'd plead with him and beg him and, and try to implore him to come into the tent, hear the gospel. And every night he'd just go on. One night they were under the tent. They were praying before service. They got done praying, and the one brother came to the other brother. They are both preachers, and he said, you know, the Bible does say go out and compel them to come in. And boys ran out from under that tent, knocked him over the head. I mean, knocked him unconscious, drug him into the tent, set him up in a chair. And when he came to, the Lord saved him. He got baptized, joined the church, and was a faithful member the rest of his life. Now, I'm not advocating go out here and hit anybody in the head and drag them into this church. What I'm saying is there's all different kinds of ways we can get the gospel to sinners. There's a lot of different bait but it's all centered upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether it's a gospel track that you leave, you know, make a trail like Hansel and Gretel that you can find your way back home from all the tracks you dropped on the way throughout your daily chores. The menial tasks of life, you got to go to work. You got to get up. You got to take care of your family. You got to raise your children. Wives, you, you got to take care of the house. I mean, all of the things that are required. But you can still be involved in being fishers of men with the right preparation. I like the old motto, so as you go, 
and pick you up a pocket full of gospel tracks. I don't know where your track rack is, but wherever that is, uh, get you a handful of gospel tracks that your pastor and your church has approved and go out and start leaving them at different places. Be that person that when they see you coming, they have a little bit of a, a sigh and they hang their head because they know what you're in the business of, and that is telling folk about Jesus. I heard about one preacher. I thought it was a pretty good practice. Don't know that I'd be bold enough to do it. He was an evangelist, and he went into a lot of different towns preaching all over the country. And he'd go into a town, a lot of times he'd stop at a gas station or the local convenience store, and he would ask about where the church was. He knew where it was, but he'd ask him, do you know where the such and such church, I'm supposed to be preaching down there. He said sometimes you'd have some, oh, yeah. I know that church. There are members coming here all the time, leaving tracks and telling people about Jesus. I yeah, go down here and turn left at the oak tree, cross two creeks, you'll turn right at the rock. Makes you think you're in Smithville, right? And then he said, I'd go in some gas stations and I'd ask about the church. Well, I ain't never heard of that church. You know, that's a shame to a church in a smaller town. I know in Cincinnati I could go down here and probably find a lot of places as big as this city is, but you understand what I'm saying? Right where we live, we need to make our presence known. We need to get out there. There's so many ways that we can get the gospel out. Say, well, I'm a, you know, I'm a grandma, and I, I, you know, I don't have the gift of gab, or I, a lot of things, a lot of excuses that we can sometimes come up with. But look for the opportunities God has given you. Maybe you get a few hours every week with those grandbabies. Set them up on your knee. Tell them about Jesus. What a great privilege to be the first person to ever tell a child the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and invite them to come to Christ and know Him in the free pardon of sin. Be that person that's constantly pushing the gospel and getting it out. Hey, listen, I think sometimes in our sovereign grace circles we get so afraid that the wrong person's going to get saved. That ain't going to happen, friend. You can't get the gospel out enough. And I'm not talking about twisting professions and getting people to pray a prayer or leading them down a Roman's road and confusing them and leaving them worse off than when we found them. But I'm talking about we of all people have the truth, the truth of the gospel. Let's share it every way we possibly can. So there's preparation. And uh, we need to make preparation if we're going to be fishers of men. Notice secondly with me, to fish, to become a fisherman, it requires patience. Requires patience, doesn't it? Some people are fair-weather fishermen. If they're biting, I'll go. If they're not, I'm headed to the house. But it's those people that are patient when it comes to fishing. Those are the ones that get the wall hangers. Those are the ones that have the stories to tell. Well, some of them can tell stories better than the rest of them. I, I had a young man in our church whenever I first became the pastor, and his fishing stories always started like this. I caught a fish the other day, Pastor, and it was this big. But listen, we need patience when it comes to fishing. If you don't have patience, you'll never catch anything. I heard about another preacher. He's preaching up in the uh, southern part of Canada. It was some premier uh, fishing area there the church was having a meeting had called pastors and preachers to come in and preach and they had uh rented boats and fishing gear and they had they had got access to one of the premier lakes in that area and they said we're gonna have preaching at night and y'all get to go fishing during the day that sounds like my kind of meeting brother daniel i don't know who that was we need to we need to meet them find out who it was introduce ourselves to them 
And so, man, they went fishing, and it dropped off cold one morning. Got real cold. It was so cold that it was almost they thought worthless to even try to go out and fish. So they went out anyway. There's three or four boats, two or three preachers in each one. They got out there, and they got to fishing, and they weren't catching nothing. Said it was so cold, about 30, 35 degrees, and there was an old burn barrel back on the shore. They put a fire in it, and you could see that fire from the, from the lake. Said about that time, you'd hear one boat crank up, right back over there. Said for long, all of them went back, but one boat, and they was all standing around the fire. You knew they was warm. And in one boat, there was an older preacher and a younger preacher, and the older preacher told the younger preacher, said, well, we can go back. We can stand around the fire, or we can keep fishing. He said, I don't know about you, but I'd just soon keep fishing. So they went out of the deep water into the shallow water, and they cast, and as soon as it hit the water, man, they started reeling them in. They couldn't pull them in fast enough. They'd caught their limit. They went back over to land, and them boys were standing around that fire warming their hands. They, oh, you boys finally get cold enough to come join us? Didn't catch anything, did you? And they said that young preacher, he reached down in the boat, and he pulled up a string of fishes longer than he was tall. said, we got our limit, boys. Oh, where'd you find all them fish at? Out in the water. They were patient. They stayed with it. And they enjoyed it. What are you saying? I'm saying when it comes to this thing of being fishers of men, we got to be patient. Not everybody's going to receive the gospel. Not everybody's going to believe. A lot of people you tell, they're going to slam the door in your face. They're going to turn you away. They're going to reject the message. But you never know when that next one might be the one that God's already been working on the other end. And He is putting you in the right place at the right time to be a witness to that individual. And God's going to use you as a witness to bring them to faith in Christ. God uses human instrumentality, doesn't He? There's the means of grace that He uses. We can be like those boys that were standing around that campfire saying, well, you know, they used to have fish in these waters. They just ain't no fish anymore. That's what's happening in a lot of Baptist churches tonight. Well, they, you know, sinners used to get saved and God used to save souls. That just ain't happening anymore. We're living in the last days. We just got to hunker down. Bunker in, boys. It's going to get tough. Or we can keep going out. We can keep sharing the Gospel. We can keep doing everything, humanly speaking, we can do. And at the end of the day, I understand it is the Lord that giveth the increase. We preach. We preach. We pray. We pray. And then we say, God, would You give the increase? It takes patience. May God help us to have some, some patience, the backbone of a saw log, and just keep on following God's plan of preaching the Great Commission. I believe you've got a pastor here. I'm, I'm honored that I got to be in the service where you honored your pastor. That's right. Praise God. And I believe God's giving you a man. He ain't paying me to say this. I'm not trying to flatter him or flatter you, but I'm saying it's a blessing when a church loves and cares for their pastor. And knowing the kind of man that he is, I believe he has a burden for you as God's people and a burden for this area where God has placed him. If God has given him a vision to reach this community, get behind him, support him, be like her and Aaron and hold up the arms of the man of God and say, Preacher, if you'll lead us in the battle, we'll be right beside you all the way. Be patient, even whenever you hit walls and, 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 and roadblocks and, and detours. Just keep on staying the course and keep on preaching the Gospel. Keep on being fishers of men. And be patient in the work of the Lord. God's not called us to do a fast work. It's a long, hard, 
labor serving God. And there's a lot of men that want to build God's church and God's more interested in building His men. And sometimes we go through some hardships and we go through some rough waters and we go through what might be considered a downward spell for just a while, but understand God's working in us and out of us everything He wants us to be and doesn't want us to be so that when the time comes, we're what we need to be to reach those around us. And so, as we enter into this class of fishing, you're going to fish, it requires preparation, patience. But then let me say this, lastly, it requires people. I've never seen a fish jump in the boat and say, eat me. I've never seen a fish walk up to my house, knock on my door and say, hey, would you like to fillet me and stick me in the fridge? No, I've had to go out. I've had to get the pole. I've had to get the bait. I've had to cast the, the line. I've had to sit there. I've had to wait. I've had to... You all understand that. I know this is very simple stuff, very practical, right on our level. But understand, this is what the Lord was teaching His men. You're going to have to be patient. You're going to suffer some hardships. You're going to have to be prepared. Listen to what I'm saying. But also, it's going to take you. He wanted them. He called them by name. Peter, Andrew, James, John. Don't you know they must have been shocked when they heard their name and turned and saw this man that they didn't know? And How in the world does he know my name? I'll tell you what, it so impacted Peter that whenever Jesus said Peter's name, whenever he went back fishing after the resurrection, that's all it took. He said, that's my Lord. He jumped in the water and swam to shore. But it's amazing to me how that the Lord uses people and their unique gifts and abilities. Here you had Peter and Andrew. What were they doing? They were fishing. They were casting their nets. You know what kind of ministry God called Peter and Andrew to? They lived the life of missionaries they were evangelists. Peter is the great evangelist of the apostles on the day of Pentecost. He stands, he preaches, and the Lord saves 3,000 souls that day. Andrew became a missionary, church planner, started the first church up in Eastern Europe according to, to Christian to our, our history. And these men would all their lives be going out casting the net of the gospel, preaching to sinners that the Lord would save and call in and add to the kingdom. God uses people in their unique abilities. It's amazing, James and John, what kind of ministries did they have? They were pastors. James was the first pastor of the church at Jerusalem. John became the pastor later in years at the church at Ephesus, and he wrote three epistles. James wrote one epistle. You, you, you are, or one gospel and four epistles for John, but you, you see, what were they doing when Jesus called them? They were mending nets. You're going to be a pastor, you better know how to mend some nets. <laughs> you're going to have to mend some nets. You're going to have to deal with people and their shattered lives and their shattered families. And Sometimes you're going to have to mend nets that are broken in the church. You're going to have times where there's going to be this brother that's upset at that brother and this sister and that sister. You're going to have to know how to mend nets. And the Lord Jesus, He took all of that into consideration when He called these men and He put them into the kind of ministries that their unique abilities and gifts were fitted for. God's still doing that today. You look at a man like your pastor and God's given him those abilities to be able to bring people together and, and, and shepherd the flock and feed the flock and mend the nets and, and do that work locally speaking. And then he calls other men to be evangelists and missionaries. And they go out and they, they're doing church playing. Well, you got one right here, Brother Pearson. 
So you see the differences and the unique abilities that God gives men. And here, that's what the Lord was doing. And so in the school of evangelism, as we learn to be fishers of men, we learn that God calls different men to different ministries for a unique purpose. And listen, there's no big eyes and little U's, and there's no great men of God. There's just men of God with a great God. When we learn our position and we learn what we are, and that is nothing outside of the grace of God, it'll help us to just get focused, get busy on doing what God has called us to do. So, well, preacher, did they graduate from class? Well, I guess they did. Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2 bears it out. You've got the rest of the New Testament that bears out what the Lord did in these men's lives as He taught them how to be fishers of men. I wonder tonight, anybody interested in being a fisher of man? I want to be a fisher of men. I want to learn this art. I'm not saying I have tonight. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. But I want to, I want to become a better fisher of men. I would dare use the term, and I'm sure I hope you understand what I mean by this. I want to be a soul winner. He that winneth souls is wise, the Bible says. And I know that the great soul winner is the Lord Jesus, and only He can truly save the soul But beloved, God uses us to get the message out. And so are we doing all we can to be prepared? Wouldn't it be awful to have the opportunity but not be prepared when the opportunity comes? Let's prepare. Let's get prepared in prayer. Let's bathe our our church, our ministries, our daily walk with the Lord in prayer. Let's stay in the Word of God I want to walk circumspectly. I don't want to have to repent and get right with God so that I can go and and witness to somebody. I tell you something that's helped me as a pastor, and I don't live up to it all the time. But I want to try to walk as closely as I can with the Lord because I don't want to have a call from a church member, pray for so and so. This is going on, and me have to get down and before I can even pray for him, say, Lord, forgive me for doing this. Lord, I've not been doing that. Lord, I know I'm wrong here. Lord, would you? That's a, bit, that's a bad way. I, I'm, what am I saying? I'm saying there's preparation involved. There's patience. And there's the people of God. God uses human instrumentality. And He is using this church and He will use you greater and further the more you yield yourself to Him. Fishers of men. May God help us to be fishers of men. Pastor, that's the message tonight.